0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's BYTE.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with BYTE.
1: Every morning at the mine, you could see him arrive. He stood six foot six and weighed 245, kind of broad at the shoulder and narrow at the hip. And everybody knew you didn't give no lip to Big John.
2: Alright everybody, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. Big Bad John. I'm your host Spencer, joined by Michael. Hello everybody. Hey. And and some Jimmy Dean.
1: Nobody yeah, you know, what, are, what are we listening to here, man? We so we're listening to Big Bad John. Kind of by shy. Jimmy Dean. And if you spoke at all, you just said hi to Big John. Somebody said he came from New Orleans so I didn't know this until this weekend, but the Texas Tech PA guy
2: right plays this while NFL John McMillan is warming up on the field.
3: That's pretty that's pretty good. I think that gets the, the mojo going.
1: Big bad John.
3: It's a solid one. I actually have this in my digital library somewhere.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not like, he, he, from here into the rest of the song,
2: it's not a very good ending for John.
1: I mean, he, he he's a hero. He does.
2: Story. He is a hero. He's heroic. But he ends up dying. Spoiler. Spoiler alert. Um, but the big the, the part of the song that begins with, is like, he's talking about, he's six six two forty five. nobody messes with him.
3: Don't give no lip to Big John. You Don't
2: give no lip. Big Bad John. He
3: sent some guy to, from from New Orleans to, what did he call it, to paradise? Yeah. Killed a man. Basically, yeah. <laughs> Killed, man. Killed a man. Killed man to death. <laughs> With a punch. But he twisted he twisted those words to make it sound almost romantic. Oh, we just sent him to paradise.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh, no. Oh, no. Everybody knew it was the end of the line for
3: Big John. It's not looking good, Spencer. It's the end of the line.
1: Big John. Big Bad John. Big
2: so, yeah, I, I, like I said, had no idea that they played this for John McMillan. It's been a while re- since that I've that been to a home game. Oh, wait. We got a few
1: words are written on that. So, this stand. is the edited version. At the bottom of this mine lies a big. Big man, big John.
3: big John, and a single tear rolled down
2: everyone's cheek.
1: Big bad John. Big John. Yep.
2: So the, I guess the original version of the song, um, instead of saying there's a big big man at the bottom of this bit, whatever, it's one hell of a man, which I think fits the story better. I mean, because I mean, you're still talking about the big man that is John, and you can still be a big man and died in an act of heroism. But yeah, I guess that was the original, the uncensored from 1961 of the yeah. Here lies one hell of a man.
3: That was too much. That was too much for the 60s, apparently. Yeah, but you know, it
2: wasn't too much. Um, One, you all probably know this. I was new to this. Jimmy Dean. It's from Plainview, Texas. Just up the road a piece. I always just assumed it was different from the Jimmy Dean sausage. Nope. Same guy. Yep. Same name. Um, and I again, I had heard of Jimmy Dean, the singer, before. Hadn't heard of this song. Doing some research today, found out that he's actually best known for this song. I would
3: argue he's best known for sausages. Well,
2: maybe Jimmy Dean... The artist is best known oh, okay. for this song. Okay, I would, I'd agree with that. Because the Jimmy Dean sausage came much much later. But this this song, Big Bad John, um, released in 1961. It's a recitation song. Obviously, you heard it. wasn't a lot of singing. He was telling a story about a heroic miner went down there. The mine was collapsed, collapsing. He held up the broken timber, helped the miners escape. As the rescue team was coming down, it collapsed on Big Bad John, um, so the song went on to become the number one. Like on the, it r- rose to the number one spot on the Billboard Pop Chart. Um, sold over a million copies and was awarded a gold disc. It peaked at number two over in the UK Singles Chart, and then the song actually won Jimmy Dean the nineteen sixty two Grammy Award for Best Country and Western Recording. That's a pretty good little track record there. A little history lesson about for Big, Big Bad John. Big Bad John. Also, relief pitcher John McMillian, who we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast. But, spoiler alert, dude hit triple digits on the radar gun this weekend. Yikes. I uh, didn't know that. After hearing Big Bad John. It, that's exactly how it occurred. He, he lived up to the billing of the, the promo, the hype music that played. Before he threw his first pitch. Now, it ramped up. He started at like 97, and then he hit 98, and then he hit 100. And he hit 100 for like probably two or three fastballs in a row. Skip 99. He doesn't need he, that. No, he skipped right over 99. Yeah, he doesn't mm-hmm. need that. That's that's beyond him. Yeah. All right, so tonight we're going to be talking about tonight on this episode Episode ninety five. By the way, we are about to hit triple digits ourselves. We are. We're 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 a solid um, Texas Tech pitcher, but we're not John McMillan level
3: yeah. yet. Are we going to skip ninety nine?
2: Probably not though. Well, just we will make sure we hit all the steps.
3: Okay. All right. We'll ramp it up nice and slow. Okay.
2: Um, tonight though, we are this episode. I keep saying tonight because I'm just I'm in the. And the now while we record. The current. And the current. We're going to be talking about basketball, specifically recruiting and how the roster is shaping up for 2019, 2020. We're going to touch on football, but only because Matt Wells was at the baseball games. And then we're going to talk a lot about baseball. And I forgot that stupid conference tournament schedule I had written down. Oh, well. Oh well, I've I've got the PDF of it pulled up. Oh, I had like drawn out and everything. Oh man, had the brackets filled in. Well, I'm, sorry, we I,
3: can't. Don't don't fill it in. That not, seems no, like a jinx. No, I,
2: that's not what he did. I was talking about like I had the brackets set up and like where the losers of the games would go and how they could play back in and probably too much information for a podcast. Anyways, <coughs> um, is there such a thing with our podcast? Never. We give out lots of information. Speaking of Michael's concern that like we could spend the entire hour and a half of a recording, if we just read the notes document that, mm-hmm. that we have prepared. There's lots of stats There's
3: and
2: notes. There's lots of stuff. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna try to move through this document pretty quickly. Let's do it. To keep you all entertained. So first up, we're talking about the basketball roster. Um, Chris Beard out there continuously efforting, churning out, uh, uncovering players to add. <clears throat> Gained the commitment of a Chris Clark
0: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Tech, he's a
2: 66215 guard forward combo. So he's actually quite a bit, a lot like Jared Culver. Yeah, I was the just size. Think, I was thinking that as you were saying that. Um, he was rated as the number eight grad transfer for this class, the cycle. So he's up there. Like, again, I didn't, I wasn't, all that aware of him before I started looking into it. Um, coming out of high school, he was the number sixty-two recruit, um, which would place him in terms of tech recruiting success third all-time highest, behind only Jemias Ramsey, who was in the low thirties, and Kavon Moore, who was in the low fifties. So Chris Clark, who's not coming out of high school, he's coming out of as a senior in college. Started off as a number sixty two player, so
3: and now he's had some college experience to boast had, that resume a little bit.
2: He's had quite the college experience, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Yeah, I've, I was I was wondering about that. Um, so his most recent um, season where he played twenty seventeen twenty eighteen he averaged eight points a game, six rebounds. Uh, He tallied 98 assists on the year, which I don't have it written. I think it it would have been good for second or third on Tech's team Hmm. if he was on on this year, and 31 steals. Um, He didn't play 2018-2019. He was suspended and then ultimately dismissed from the Virginia Tech basketball team after a misdemeanor drug possession charge from, I think it was March of 2017. No, yeah. Sorry, sorry, March of twenty eighteen.
3: Well, he was um let's see, I, I think I think there was a, a link over here I was gonna click and make sure, but A Linkity Linkity. Uh but yeah, the offense date listed for Clark was March twentieth. And then um
2: He's a month too soon.
3: Yep. And then it happened again April of this year.
2: Okay. So that that that's probably where he was dismissed in April. Yes. Um
3: yes, I think that was the last the last straw and and we should say i don't know if you mentioned it but it was
2: marijuana possession yeah um i i don't know if it's there's probably more behind this but the the articles i was reading it, it they kept pointing out that his roommate ty outlaw was also charged with the same misdemeanor drug possession charge he however was not suspended mm so I don't know if there was something else going on that Clark had already had against him in his in his, his past, his record. Or if uh, Buzz Williams there was like, you know, I think we need to tie out Lala a little bit more than we need Chris Clark. I mean, and Aggie surely wouldn't do that, would they?
3: Well, I, I feel like it part of it could have been because, you know, when it happened the second time.
2: In 2019.
3: Right. Virginia Tech thought, well. We had a decent, you know, we had a decent year with, without him, without you. It's kind of harder to miss somebody who was gone all year or to feel like, oh man, we really, we really should, uh, keep you around just to make sure Mm -hmm. everything goes okay. But I could see that kind of being part
2: of it is just recency. Yeah. So, um, he was dismissed. Chris Beard obviously thinks highly enough about him or their abilities to wrangle in a player like that. They agreed or recruited him to come to Texas Tech. Um, in his three years at Virginia Tech, though, he did average shooting at 54% from the field. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, greater than 42% from three, although he didn't shoot a lot of threes. Um in his last year, he shot a total of thirty-three, so that's one per game. Yeah, just about. Um, not the greatest free throw shooter, sixty-six uh, percent, but he does get to the line a lot. Um, everything I saw, he's a he's a slasher. So he he's got the ball. He drives a lot. He draws a lot of contact. He shot ninety-four free throws. Um, in 2017, 2018, would have been third highest on this year's team in terms of free throws shot. Um, the other things they were talking about how he needs to to take better control of the ball, um, but that he averaged just under two turnovers a game. Um, but to put that in perspective, Jarrett Culver averaged this is over the entire season averaged almost three turnovers a game. Matt Mooney had two and a half.
3: Yeah, which that seems that seems right. When you said one one nine three. Yeah, one point nine three turnovers per game, I thought, well that's gotta be less than Culver for sure. And I didn't know it was gonna be less than Mooney
2: though. Yeah, so um two point six assists a game, six and a half rebounds a game, um, which would have been right there with Culver because Culver this year led tech with six point four. Um but I think one of the biggest things, though, is, is one of the national sports writers that on the East Coast that kind of covered and followed him <clears throat> called him a junkyard dog defender. Who said that? Rob Douster of NBC Sports.
3: Well, I mean, that's right up Coach Adams and Coach Beard's alley. That I'd assume that's probably one of the main reasons they were looking at Clark to begin
2: with. Yeah. Uh, uh, he was considered Virginia tech's best defender. Um, he he wouldn't have been best, the best defender on Tech's team. If you look at like some advanced stats, if they do points given up per 100 possessions, he averaged 98.7 points given up per hundred possessions would have been lowest of all the starters at tech. The closest one would have been Davide Moretti who gave up 93.8 points per hundred possessions. Um, so that's you know, essentially two points. One point every two possessions. So two, like he hits a, 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 field goal, one field goal every two possessions. He gives up. All right. Um, so yeah, you think with those kind of this defensive minded player with that kind of size, um, you know, he said that, they said that he's able to guard basically one through four, um. That. The offensive stats were able to kind of bolster the defense. Like, hey, he's he's a great defender, and he's not bad on the offensive side. Too. No, not at all. So the more I read about him, the more excited I got. I mean, like I said, he, he's a big dude. He's six six two fifteen. Um, I don't know if he's a ball handler. Like he's he could be your your guard. Like your, your number one, your point guard, bringing the ball to the floor but I think he could basically play anywhere between two and four, you know, your, your shooting guard or your small power forward types because of his defensive mentality. Um, and he's able just to add to that w- with the, the offensive s- skills that he has. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty excited about the addition of Chris Clark. Me too.
3: I, I really hadn't gotten a chance to look into him that much. And I trust Beard's judgment too, as well. I, I, I don't want to dismiss a drug charge as not something to consider and to not take lightly, but at the same point, pointing out that it's marijuana is basically kind of saying that most most folks don't think that that's that big of a deal.
2: I mean, yes. It, Getting
3: it, caught it, twice is bad.
2: and it, Regardless, it, it is against the law.
3: Right, and it is against the law, and it's probably against team rules and some other things too. So it, I don't want to pretend like it's an, a, a non-issue, but um, it's not a concern for me. As long as he's uh, figured out that there's a lot riding on this. I mean, there could be a potential post-season run, post-season run coming on it's this. Stop you right there. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I was probably going to, no, I was, was going to forecast way too far, but there could be a, a a possible deep post-season run riding on this and i'm sure that's been communicated to him very thoroughly and he yeah. probably understands the
2: and it's now on him if he wants to be a participant in that he needs to take care of his, his business
3: sure and let's let's just throw it out there let's just throw out there that the the roommate was maybe he was just a bad example it's possible maybe outlaw was just he was just uh you know uh a bad seed. Oh, that's terrible. I don't want to say that about somebody. I don't. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, know outlaw at all. You don't know him at all. I don't know him any more than I know Clark. But I. Uh, I'm, I think he's going to be a good fit. Uh, everything that you mentioned just now. Is not surprising to me that um, this would be a guy that this staff would just be, trying to get to come over to our side, mm-hmm. and it probably wasn't a very tough ask. I bet they were. I bet Clark was a willing listener very quickly. I, I would hope so. Yeah, I mean, one he he probably <clears throat> he he probably couldn't be too choosy. I don't know if if he had a lot of guys giving him calls and stuff after the recent issues, but the fact that Beard did doesn't doesn't bother me one bit.
2: Yeah. So, like I said, there's there's one thing that I think is 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 really helpful is that he he is a senior. This is his last shot. Um, if he wants to make a case for any professional aspirations in basketball, this is, you know, he's he's got just this one year to make NBA GMs okay with his previous drug charge. And he's like, well, that's behind him. He, he's really pr- productive now. Um, the other thing I want to point out <clears throat> is that he was actually... Um, he was kind of compared to Ruri Hachimura from Gonzaga in terms of his his skill set, his game. That's that's good company. That is. Um, the also the other piece of r- roster news from this past week is that high school four star forward Tyreek Smith committed. So Beard, I I hesitate to say quietly, but Beard has been assembling the most talented team that Texas tech has probably ever known. Yeah, I would agree with that. And it's just like, well, you, you went as far as you did this year with some lowly recruit or, you know, I mean, Matt Mooney and Tariq Owens were not lowly recruited guys on the transfer market. Um, but Jarrett Culver was not like a, a superstar coming out of high school um, Davide Moretti, I think was listed as a four star player on some services, but he wasn't super heavily recruited to my, to my knowledge. Um, but y- you've got all those guys and then all these big time high school recruits, like your first five star ever. Mm-hmm. You got these other four star guys that are coming around him um, and then these really highly rated grad transfers, not that you could replace like a Tariq Owens because you you haven't you haven't got anybody of his skill set, um, to come in. But you're building a super talented team. to to take over 2019, 2020. <clears throat> like I said, Tariq Smith, um, out of Trinity Christian High School in Cedar Hill, Texas, six eight two zero five, um, he's rated anywhere between a, about basically 100 and 150. Uh, best player in the country this year. Another interesting note, he plays on or played on the same AAU high school team as another 2019 recruit target in five-star guard R.J. Hampton.
3: Oh, okay. That could be
2: advantageous at some point. Well, you saw it not that long after Tyreek Smith committed. R.J. Hampton congratulated him. Smith replied back, Hey, we can get the duo together again.
3: Yeah, and that's a he was
2: already recruiting.
3: That's a legit Texas offer. Day. Yeah, way to way to go. Um, I I appreciate the uh, uh-uh. the instant Red Raider
2: help from uh, Tyreek Smith on that one. I know, outstanding. The other thing, um, again, uh, from everything I was able to see, he he his game is a lot like Chris Clark's, and I think he's more defensive minded. Um, as a player coming out of high school, it, his his game, his skill set isn't as finely tuned as Clark's was, and I think Tyreek Smith was able to out athletic or out athleticism some other dudes on the court, because um, a lot of his his highlights are him, you know, r- real close to the basket with with dunks and r- real short uh, shots. So. You don't really see his his jump shot skill. Um, if you do follow him on Twitter, or if you go through his Twitter profile, you see a lot of him uh, in practice taking three point shots and trying to develop that part of his game. Um, but he's uh, an interior slasher, lane defender, um, a lot like what we're saying about Chris Clark, but that maybe not so skilled on the offensive side, which. You know, as, as a high school guy, you think you can kind of work on that, but also surround him by some really good offensive players in Moretti, Kyler Edwards, um, and guys like that.
3: Yeah, and I'm, I'm actually watching, Labar had a good post uh, a few days ago, I think it was this quick reaction post, mm-hmm. and I had the video playing while you were talking, and uh, I'm glad you were paying attention. Well, I I am. I'm paying attention to Tyreek Smith, but yeah, I'll, the first video. Okay, he, it looks like he's got some decent competition there, and it, it is just like you said. It's just a lot of thunderous dunks and swats and stuff and everything right at the right at the uh, basket. The second video is especially. <laughs> it's a, I mean, there's. I, I can't, the, the competition is, uh, yeah, pretty much non-existent now no, no one's even, ch- no one's playing, no one's chasing him. No one's <laughs> playing there's defense. No defense. So there's nothing. He's usually most of the, before I just quit watching it, everything I saw was a wide open dunk. I mean, wide open, wide ass open, <laughs> not a soul around. So I, I don't know. I kind of questioned the, uh, the competition in these vids, but the dude has some legit talent and very athletic. And
2: Well, if you go to the, uh, the post that Seth wrote on him, his recruiting profile, mm-hmm. um, there is video that there was a game this past season where Trinity Christian played Duncanville. So he matched up against, uh, Jemias Ramsey. Oh, that's right. That's and right. Smith actually led all scores in that game with 29 points. Now the video that they see is, is super shaky. And if you're prone to, <laughs> The motion sickness or any of that kind of stuff, I, I wouldn't recommend watching the video because the dude under the basket is not a very st- steady videographer. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah, um, I've got it playing right now. But other guys also in this game. So you've got Tyreek Smith and Jamias Ramsey, but also a 2020 Target and Micah Peavy, who was uh, Jamias Ramsey's teammate there in, in Duncanville. So Beard was able to recruit three or four guys stopping at this game (laughs) because he he was actually at that game
3: yeah um this is okay this is much better y'all should watch that video
2: it's a lot more entertaining the one that you don't see a whole lot is jamias ramsey's skill because like everything that you see from him was like missed shot or it's like oh i know i know he's better than that (laughs) (laughs) he is he's one of us he's he's gonna be great yeah he's a five-star guy he can't be bad right he's our guy um So, yeah, so while Chris Beard had continued to add to the roster, you've got some guys that are transferring out. We mentioned uh, Kayvon Moore previously. Um, Yep. Josh Mbala announced, as was kind of expected. Um, What wasn't expected was your junior college guy, Khalid Thomas, announcing he was going to decommit and play somewhere else.
3: Well, he'd been committed for quite a while, right? Almost, Mm -hmm. was it a year?
2: No, not a year. It had been a while, but probably last, like early last fall, late last summer. Um, so with that decommitment, you actually still have one open scholarship available. Uh, I, I think we mentioned this last week, but Chris Beard actually went into this season with two scholarships available, which was how he was able to get both Kevin McCuller and Andre Savrasov on the roster, on the team in January. Cause he had those spots available. Um, it's unclear if he's if the plan is to fill that roster, like uh, that scholarship spot. Obviously, you're still going after R.J. Hampton. You wouldn't leave that spot open. He's set to announce here in the next couple of weeks, early June, we heard, he did uh, eliminate Kentucky f- from his list. Yep. So he's still looking at Duke, Kansas. No. No, not Duke. Um, no, because he replaced Duke with us.
3: Kansas, Memphis, and us. I think that's it.
2: And then there was some other Memphis news that – might suggest he wouldn't be looking there anymore. I think that hit I last week. There was a they big gain, a, a commitment at that same spot. Where,
3: yeah, Penny, Penny's doing a good work. He's he's doing a good job too. He's
2: he's doing his, his Chris Beard impression.
3: He and he and Chris Beard are. Um, I think they're winning the off season right
2: now. Yeah. But the other point I wanted to make from the twenty eighteen twenty nineteen roster, you only have three contributors from that team that are returning whether it's from transfer or graduation. um, So guys, like your returning guys are Davide Moretti, Kyler Edwards, and Deshaun Corbrew.
3: You forgot Avery Benson.
2: Well, that's a walk on. He's, re- he's
3: returning though.
2: Well, I'm, he's not. a
3: okay. How dare you? How okay. dare you say he's not a contributor?
2: You know what? He was, and then he got ripped for it. His, his one contribution was a, a, a Contributing, junk, a, yeah. <laughs> um, if you do count McCuller and Andre Savrasov, they they were on the team but didn't participate, so you would have five. Okay. But e- even if you go up to five, you've got five of thirteen scholarship guys returning. So eight new players, possibly. It's a big turnover. It's going to be a whole new team, basically.
3: Yeah, I mean it. It really is because, aside from Already. I mean, we did get to see Edwards and, well, especially Edwards and some of Corpru. You know, we we saw them play. I was really impressed with how they played. Um, but, you know, we didn't get to see nearly as much of them as we did Moretti or um, uh, any of the other, you know, starters. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited. I, I think it's it's really interesting to have this kind of a turnover to where the only guy that you're super familiar with is just is is your point guard and that's it yeah because uh edwards and corporal were not starters right right they came off the bench edwards was usually he was a pretty good offensive seventh part. man yep. or something you know and and corporal was eight eight man usually uh in the rotation uh i really enjoyed both those players a lot and i'm glad that they did get some minutes but you still there's just a lot of questions um, you're not quite sure what you're going to see from them and how Beard's going to change how these guys are going to play uh, with a with a much heavier role. I would imagine that Edwards probably is going to start. Um, I could see Corpro maybe coming off the bench as a sixth man, or at least bumping up to one spot in the seventh man rotation. I'm not sure. Uh, who, who knows? I, I'm just talking about it's making me excited. I, I wish it was October. Yeah. I, want, I want to go watch. I want to watch this team right here play some basketball.
2: So this team, your guards are going to be Davide Moretti, Kyler Edwards, Kevin McCuller, Jemias Ramsey, Clarence Nadolny. As of right now, this is your roster as of right now. Forwards, Deshaun Corpru, Andre Savrasov, Terrence Shannon, the four-star commit out of like the Chicago area, TJ Holyfield, Chris Clark, Tyreek Smith, and then your one lone center, Russell Chewa. Don't y'all want to watch these guys play basketball? I can't. wait. Can we
3: just suit them up? Can we suit them up tomorrow? Well, I, I don't. Just see what happens. There's
2: a ha- large handful of these guys that aren't on campus yet. Oh, okay. Kamias Ramsey, Clarence Nadolny, Shannon Holyfield, Clark Smith, Chewa. It'll, Those aren't on campus yet. It'll
3: be summer soon. <laughs> I, actually, I yeah, saw actually, Moretti's back in Italy. Yeah, I saw he was back home. So I think I think they're a little spread out right now. We gotta, we've got to as, assemble the Avengers, get them
2: back together. News team, <laughs> assemble. <laughs> like we've Ron. been here.
3: We've been here the whole time. Been here. Yeah.
2: Anyways, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited to see how this team comes together. Um, I I think we'll probably hear mid to late season how there was another bonding retreat at the end of summer beginning yep. of fall to get this whole new uh, band of. Red Raider basketballers on the same page. Go I would, ex-
3: I would expect, sorry, I'm, I know I interrupted you. I would expect some kind of, I don't want to say growing pains, but I just remember it, it took a while. It, it took a while. We, we got to watch it and be a part of it, but the but last year's team, you know, they played some kind of stinker non-con games where they'd be down by five at the half to some school you've never heard of. And then, just wipe the floor with them in the second half or, or or stuff like that. And a lot of it seemed to just be they hadn't played together enough. Mm-hmm. And I would expect some of those type of pains as well. Um, and not to be too discouraged by it when you see it, especially if you get the win, you know, try to just, all right, we got the win, move on. But we need to maybe remember that I said this back in May <laughs> when <laughs> we come off a an overtime win against uh mount pilot state or whatever in november so i just i just think we're going to see some growing pains but it's going to be worth it and it's going to be a really talented fun team to watch too and i, I want to see them get uh, I, I just don't know how this team could keep up the defensive prowess they had last year but maybe they can and I want to, I want to see him try. I don't see why not. I don't either. We got some, we got some really athletic guys, and if they're committed to playing defense, I think that's almost all it takes. I know there's skill involved too. I'm not acting acting like there's not, but if you're committed to it and you've got a staff that pushes it and addresses how important it is, and you've seen firsthand how far that defense took you last year,
0: mm-hmm.
3: you know, if it was just a run of the mill defense. Tech may not have made it into the Sweet 16, I don't know. There's no telling. Yeah. The fact that they were just completely annihilating people's game plans and just destroying people by 20, 25, while playing a decent offensive game, they couldn't have done that without their uh, world world-class defense. So, yeah, let's bring on basketball season. That's all I've got to say.
2: Yeah, as long as we're, we're continuing to hold on to our, our uh, assistant coaches. I know there was some some smoke there about Mark Adams having some interest from the Chicago Bulls to go j- join that staff. No news, I, I, I assume. That yeah, who I, could blame him if he went? I'm, you know. At this point, it's <laughs> it probably turned them down. Yeah. Or maybe, I, I don't know. Yeah, who knows. Um yeah, I'm I'm excited about the basketball season already. Um, before we get there, though, we have to f- finish this baseball season, and then we have to get through the majority of next football season. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, f- football. Let's talk about that for a second. Football. I'm ready. I actually have nothing to talk about football. Yeah, me neither. Except for Matt Wells. Okay. Um, I went to all three of the baseball games this past weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Very nice. Saw Matt Wells at all three of those games. Also very nice. Um, At least one of those games, he was with his son, which is cool to see. Um, He was in like Texas Tech gear, but he wasn't like decked out, so he wasn't like drawing attention to himself. He looked like a a normal fan. Had a hat on and like sunglasses, so he wasn't like, you know, he didn't stick out at a baseball game. He wasn't wearing like a Armani suit (coughs) with a little. Some Italian loafers. Yeah. A little boutonniere. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, so, he, sorry, he was there. Um, one of the games, he actually sat with, with Kirby Hoka. He was there. He sat with Kirby Hoka Saturday night, which was the, the night that uh, the baseball team won the Big 12 conference. Spoiler alert. Um, you just got to think, like, some of the conversation was like, look, man, everybody else is doing it. It's your turn. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, no pressure. Win, let's go win something. No pressure, yeah. Because at that point, I, I think we talked about this last week, or very, very no, it was, it was over the weekend in Slack chat, that Texas Tech Spring Sports, the past 84 days since Saturday, Texas Tech had won four Big 12 Conference titles in the spring. And I believe they were outright titles. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. four. Not one of them was shared. You had an indoor-outdoor track. Yeah, that's two. as, as two. um Basketball, which was shared, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, basketball was shared. But baseball wasn't. Yeah, basketball was shared with Kansas State. <sighs> Almost Darn. made it. Wildcats. Almost made the hat trick. Is that the hat trick? That's three. What's four? Is that a turkey? And bowling, a, a turkey is three strikes. What's four? I don't know. I think that's a ham bone or something like that. <laughs> sure. I'm pretty sure it is. Whatever you say, man. Don't question me. I had a bowling class
2: at South Plains College. Go, uh... Texans. Texans. That's right. All right. Um, the other cool thing... Well, one, he was not wearing his headset there, so maybe that's why he was a little bit, He was a little incognito. Um, but there was a time when he walked past us. On, our seats are on the edge of our sections, so we're, like, right there on the stairs. He walked past us, um... He had to cross in front of our section and then start coming up the stairs in front of me. I didn't see him till he was like two steps in front of me, because I was like I was looking down, writing my the baseball scorebook. I was, I was keeping track of the game. Mm-hmm. I looked up, recognized him, I was, like, I was like, "Hey, coach." I'm like that's really all I said. <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Oh shit! <laughs> what am I supposed?" to, <laughs> I feel like I should say something. <laughs> yeah. Right. And like kind of like, well, you know, I I recognize you, and you know. Yeah. But yeah. I'm also like not like drilling over you, like hey. Coach, can I have an autograph? Uh, we're so glad to have you here. Well,
3: welcome to Lubbock.
2: Uh, right? Have you had the Frito pie? Oh, that was so good. That was Saturday. Um, but anyway, so he, he makes a comment. He's like, hey, you're, you're, you're keeping score. It's old school. I like it. And then he keeps walking. I was like, I turned to Mike. I was like, I'm counting that, man. I just talked to Matt Wells. I'm counting that. He's like, yeah, whatever, man. Yeah, y'all, y'all bonded. <laughs> but like, so Matt Wells and I have spoken. Mm-hmm. he likes how I, I i keep scoring a book yeah
3: i've arrived i think that if you get to be on the the field again this year and you're taking photos like you were last year i'm sure if you ran into him he would remember you
2: especially oh yeah if old if school I, score score yeah, guy
3: yeah oh yeah it's you <laughs> do they make those for football should you should you stand there awkwardly with your score your score book?
2: Be like charting plays for him. Yeah, or trying
3: to, you know. Uh, I'm glad you came by, Coach, because um, you know I noticed that that the advanced d- stats uh,
2: <laughs> disagree with your call there. That
3: DB sure does like to drop back when uh, you, you, when plays. you show trips on the ride. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have nothing
2: like that. I wouldn't embarrass myself trying to talk football to him. I'd, yeah, yeah. I I, I I wouldn't try to talk like X's and O's with any of our coaches, like basketball. Oh God,
3: no. Tadlock. Sounds that sounds Wells, no. horrifying. I am just like, "Hey, man, what's up?" So I'm just glad you're here. So football's fun. It's fun to watch. Do you do you well, like to watch it?
2: It's like one <laughs> of my favorite sports.
3: Base baseball. I remember playing. I played baseball when I was a kid. I played football as a kid.
2: I was bad at both. Yeah, yeah, very. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about some baseball then. Okay. Let's let's just kind of segue right into baseball. So we were talking about it. Um, Big Twelve. Conference regular season title was won by Texas Tech on Saturday night. Uh, makes their third conference title in four years. They are outright champions. They're not sharing this one with anybody. Uh-uh. It's all ours. All ours, baby. Um, the post game, I think, the press conference from Saturday night, uh, Tim Tadlock actually said, I, don't, I can't remember a time where it actually came down to the last day of the season because going into this series we talked about last week that you needed to win one more game than Baylor did. Yep.
3: That was that was the
2: that was the requirement. Well mm-hmm. that was also assuming that Baylor and Oklahoma State played three games. Uh, yeah, instead of two. So Oklahoma State won Thursday night. You lost Thursday night in a really exciting game. Yes, you lost, but it was actually it was a lot of fun to be there and watch it. You lost 3 to 1 in fourteen innings? Probably about as exciting as zero to zero can be after ten innings. Going into the eleven, tied <laughs> zero zero. It was actually a lot of fun. That was also when we saw John McMillan come out and, and throw hundred miles an hour.
3: I bet there are a lot of people a little bit a little bit slow at work the next day. I was. Oh you know what one of our uh one of our owners went to that he goes to most games and he beat me to work the next day. I was like, man, how did you
2: <laughs> He was ready, man. I mean,
3: I was and I was early, but he was he was already there. Man, you were at that game last night, weren't you? Yeah. How
2: are you here? Yeah. Jeez, fourteen so innings. You got it. You got some help from Oklahoma State Thursday night because that they beat Baylor, which helps because you lost. Um, Oklahoma State also won on Friday, and then you won Friday, set seven to two. So after Friday, you moved into first place, a half game up of Baylor. Um. And then you just needed to match or best or beat Baylor's decision on Saturday. So if yes. they lost, you were okay if you lost. But if they won, you had to win to, to maintain your your lead. Um, as most of you know, the Saturday game against Oklahoma State for Baylor was canceled. And doing that, they locked in their their win percentage at like six... It was six point no, it was point six three something. I, I, I think it was six three five. You their were Big Twelve win
3: percentage. Yes, their correct?
2: Big Twelve win percentage was at point six three five. I think you were at point six five. Um. After Friday, but had you lost on Saturday, it would have dropped underneath, underneath Baylor's win percentage. So Baylor could have technically backdoored into a conference championship without having played as many conference games as you did or without playing on the final day of the season when they should have been required to play. Um, Oklahoma state, because you did win on Friday was eliminated that they couldn't catch you. So it was just down to you and, and, and Baylor by f- after Friday's game, it was just you and Baylor. Um, but yeah, so last game of the season, if you win the game, you win the conference. If you lose the, the game, Baylor wins the conference.
3: Okay, so here's just kind of a really quick recap of, of what you were just saying. Baylor's final uh, Big 12 win percentages percentage was 0. 636. .636. And so uh, before Tech played their final game against TCU, their win percentage... Was point six? No, that can't be right. I was about to say point six five two.
2: Yes, uh, that's, that sounds right.
3: So, so uh, yeah, so you're at, right. So then, Friday. if they would have lost, then their final then their percentage would have been
2: six two five. 0.625. So it would have fallen a hundredth of a percent underneath Baylor's.
3: Yes. 0.011%. Yeah. So 0.011 percent yeah 11 thousandths that that would have cost you a big 12 championship despite going two and one
2: against baylor and having more more conference wins than
3: baylor yeah d- dis- despite having even two if more. they would have lost they well even if they'd have lost they'd have had one more yeah they would have been 15 and
2: nine to baylor's 14 and 7 14 and 8 14 and 8 yeah it's ridiculous. Either way, doesn't matter. You won Saturday, seven or eight to eight to four. You win the conference championship outright. Go Red Raiders.
3: Record
2: that was actually a lot of fun to be there for that too. I I never actually been there at a conference championship clinching game. Did you stay
3: for the trophy oh, presentation? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was quick. That was interesting. I wonder if I'm. I'm pretty sure most people stayed. It was, well, the stadium was pretty full. Did they just have it there? I mean, because. If they lost,
2: well, they're not bringing out that trophy. So it's actually a conversation that LeBar and I had. I, I think they would have had, they probably just have multiple conference championship trophies. because Yes. Well, is there going to be one up in Stillwater? Too. was like well, probably one in case Oklahoma State is able to pull it out, or if Baylor oh, ends up winning, yeah. they probably want to have a presentation yeah, to them. Yeah, that kind of worked out because if although I'm not sure if they would have presented Baylor with the trophy on the Stillwater after a game field. that was canceled. Well, no, like it had the, I don't think it would have presented conference championship trophy to Baylor in Stillwater. That's
3: true. That's a good point. They may have only presented to the home team.
2: Yeah. And then, but had one in Waco, could have still won the, going into the weekend, Oklahoma State was still in contention for it.
3: They were definitely in play. They were either going to end up third or first. So, if you ain't first, you're last.
2: Yeah, that's exactly how it went. Except you're not last because Texas is last and they're not going to the conference tournament. You know, that's excited to, to keep Jabbing that one in That's
3: there. a heck of a Turnaround um, Former from, You know Previous Big 12 Champion Texas Is also last
2: Also played in Omaha last season
3: Yeah uh, They're ninth Out of nine Teams mm-hmm. The only team They're better Than is Iowa State And they
2: don't Have a baseball Team <laughs> The, the the thing that I, I guess kind of hurts us is as much as we like to poke fun at Texas that they, they beat us twice this year. Yeah, no, it really does hurt. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> but <laughs> the, the they really games.
3: just brought their, they you know what, they pulled they pulled, they pulled a Texas, Texas Tech. Tech. They they brought out their best game against their biggest rival, even though they don't want to admit that
2: mm-hmm. we're their biggest rival. They, they won two one-run games against us at well, home in oh, front yeah. of record crowds. Oh, yeah, record crowds. Like 22,000
3: people came out total I'm to pr- watch them I'm play. I'm pretty
2: sure we're their only series win. I think you may Cause, be right. Because I think they had seven conference wins on the, on the season. Two of them were against Tech. Yeah. And they got one this past weekend against Oklahoma. So there's three. <laughs> and they so had there's, four, there's four more. Spread out between Oklahoma State, Kansas, Kansas State, West Virginia. So I'm pretty sure we're their only series win, which is kind of sad. But yeah. you know
3: what? Screw, screw the
2: longhorns. They're staying home.
3: They brought it, they brought out their best game for us, just like tech yeah. usually pulls out for them. So you know, we, we get it. We get it. Y'all are, you know, maybe we'll acknowledge this little rivalry someday. Um, yeah, but, but right now, you know, good job playing some baseball over there in Austin or whatever it is y'all did this
2: year. Um, before we talk about the big 12 tournament or postseason, let's talk about some big 12 postseason awards. Okay. Those were announced today. Um, your own Josh Young was named Co Big 12 Player of the year Co yeah, Co and so we're, we're gonna talk about that.
3: You know what the first you can't spell uh, you can't spell cop
2: out without Co <laughs> and it doesn't it doesn't even make sense like one, like I, I get that they like why they picked Josh young or why they would have picked Josh young because of like the hype going surrounding him going into the season.
3: Right. He may not
2: have even been the most deserving on I the team. I don't think like they're probably an argument made for two other guys on the team that maybe, or could have been considered before Josh Young. Yeah. Um, however, Josh Young shares it with Baylor infielder Davis Wenzel. And I want to talk about some stats between those two. Like, okay. If you're going to compare these two, um, Davis Wenzel and Josh Young. So, Wenzel played in nine fewer games than Josh Young did. He played in forty games.
3: Do you know why that is? Was he injured or something? Or was he just not know. in the lineup? I don't know. Hmm. Okay. I kept but seeing that rolling around today, but I, I didn't have a, I, I didn't
2: have a good reason as to why. A nine game difference is, is fairly significant when you're talking about like a so far fifty game season. Pretty close uh, yeah, to 50 right games. at it. I think Tex so, played 51. So he played 40 of 51 uh, uh, played 40 of 50 games. He played 80% of your game uh, of their games. Whereas Josh Young played in 49 of 51. So the only two games he missed were legit because of an injury. When he strained his hamstring. Mhm. Right. Um so with these that that game difference in mind, Winsel hit for av- his average this season was a 385. Don't get me wrong. That's stupid good. Yes. Yes. Josh Young hit 333. Also, really good. Wenzel's on base percentage was 500. Josh Young hit 471. So, not that far behind. Slugging percentage hit 647, where Josh Young hit 597. Josh Young had 30 more at bats. And so over those nine games, well, over the entire season, it wasn't just the nine games, over the the, the entire season, Josh Young was up to bat 30 more times. Um, Josh Young had 49 hit runs to Winzel 36. Um, here were the, the, the difference in average catches up. Josh Young hit 62 hits. Winzel hit 60. Josh Young had... 20 doubles to Wenzel's 17. Uh, Young had one triple to Wenzel's zero. Young had nine home runs to Wenzel's eight. Young had 49 RBIs to Wenzel's 39. And Young walked 46 times to Wenzel's 27. So besides average on-base percentage and slugging, Young did everything else better. Over a longer season.
3: Correct. And I, you know, it's not like I watched, I didn't get to see everything that young did. And I definitely didn't get to see hardly anything that Wenzel did, but young also had some spectacular plays at shortstop mm-hmm. Man, and it just kind play. of all over. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's, he's just the, the throws that he would make to first, would, were sometimes pretty eye-catching and the fact that he would get somebody out from, oh, man, I don't know how he's going to, oh, holy crap, he got it there. <laughs> yeah. It went from that to that really quick. Like, oh, gosh, that's a – looks like that guy hit it right. But, to, nope, Young's got uh, – he's out of first. So I, I think that might get some sway too uh, for him being mentioned, just his incredible play uh, on the defensive side.
2: So I wanted to point out somebody else that was probably overlooked on the Texas Tech team that maybe has a a legitimate beef with not being named at least a co-Big 12 Player of the Year. Okay. Cam Warren. I like this. I could see this. Cam Warren has played in all 51 of Texas Tech games. He trails, in all those categories we just listed off, he trails Wenzel in only two of them. Is average... Warren hit 354, so he hit for better average than Young did. Mm-hmm. Um, his on-base percentage was lowest of the three. He was at 448, whereas Young was at 471. Winslow was at 500. Um, Young was the, the beneficiary of a lot of intentional walks because of like, because it was Josh Young. Everybody knew it was Josh Young. He knew <laughs> it was like, but then it's like, well, you you walked to Young to get to Warren. Um slugging percentage, he hit the highest of all three. Six sixty-seven. Two out of every three of his hits went for at least two bases. That's incredible. Two out of every three. He had 189 at eighty-nine at-bats, so he leads all three of those. Scored fifty one runs, which means he was on base for somebody else behind him to knock him in. Um sixty-seven hits, highest of the three. He had sixteen doubles, so he was lowest. So that okay, there's three. There's there's another category who he didn't lead. So he's he's behind Winslow on three of these like twelve categories. Mm-hmm. Um, Warren hit 16 doubles. Winslow hit 17. Warren hit the most triples out of all three of these guys at two. But considering it was Cam Warren, he's a not the big, not the the fastest guy out there. Him hitting the most triples is still something gonna to to admire. Um, he had the most home runs at 13. He just obliterated these guys in an RBI, 65. That's incredible. Josh Young was closest at 49. thirty five at 39 again. Um, And then Warren walked more times than Wenzel. He had 31 walks to Wenzel's 27. He wasn't walked as many times as Josh Young was. But, like, if you're going to have a co-Big 12 player, like... One of them, at least, should have been Cam Warren.
3: Well, I, I wonder if if we looked at this breakdown with just Big Twelve games, if it would kind of pop into a little bit. I guess that's true because these are season numbers. Yeah, this is the enti- This is for the entire season. Maybe they look at just the Big Twelve stats. But friend of the show Rob Bro had a very good point um, when he he posted on the KKAM website today. Uh, Talk thirteen forty, the fan. Check it out. Well, it's no longer the fan. Oh, that's right. Excuse me, but uh, pardon me, Kkam. Sorry, sorry guys. But he, he had a good post the other day. Pretty much just called. Why does the Big Twelve love co award winners so much? And he brought up the point that I think it was, um, it was two years ago that Tech and TCU shared the Big Twelve title and that the – oh, man, and I'm I'm missing who the players were that won it, but a player from each team was named the co-Big 12 Player of the Year. And then last year, Texas won the Big 12 twi- title on its own, and Clemens was named the Big 12 Player of the Year. And then this year, despite Tech winning the title on their own, they still had to share – the
2: co-player of the year with another team. Yes. Yeah, so I, I think it was Labar that pointed this out that the big 12 player of the year goes to the best player on the team that finishes in first place, which that, kind of makes sense as a starting point. Right. But like Clemens was not the best player in, in the conference last season. He was on the best team and he was a good, he was a big part of that team, but he wasn't the, he wasn't the best player in the conference.
3: I remember us running through those same stats last year, and I think the only thing that he really led in it's more than anyone runs, else was home runs. I think everything big, else... Big, gaudy stat there. He only yeah.
2: hit like 17 home runs. Like, okay. Well, he got beaten everything else.
3: Yeah, I think pretty much every other stat. But because he was on the Big 12 champion, I guess, and his last name may have been Clemens. That could have something to do with it. <laughs> probably. But they, they did have... You could... You could make the case for it, all right? Hey, they won the they won the conference, and this was one of the guys that really helped him do it. But this year, I, you know, I don't want to get too hung up on awards because, hey, we still, you know, the big thing. You know, these guys aren't too worried about it, but I'm sure Tadlock probably has more thoughts on it than he he would care to, than he's going to say out I'm about to say he, he, in, he out loud. Yeah, he wouldn't say it, but no, no, I I don't think so either. He doesn't. want He to, wouldn't
2: say it publicly. Right in front of a microphone,
3: but I, it is just kind of squirrely that uh, you, you know you, you share an award with um, with with the the team that was let me see a four five uh, sixth sixth 6th place in the conference. I, I'm I'm sure the kid was a good player, but it's kind of like giving the MVP to who are you talking about? winzel any on TCU? He's on Baylor. Oh, good Lord. So they were second. They were second. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe that's what it was. Maybe they already had all the stuff written up. Yeah, yeah. In case Baylor won.
2: They they had selected it for you know, in, in case there was a tie. Okay. Which I think there wasn't possible.
3: Man, I thought he was... This is great. This no. is really good podcasting by me. Well, I, I thought great. it was on TCU, so I was really thinking, gosh, well, this doesn't make any sense at all. That's why I wanted to jump in
2: there and make sure you weren't... No, I appreciate that. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it, it's... Congratulations to, to Davis Winslow and Josh Young for being named co-Big 12 Players of the Year. It's a big honor. Uh, uh, Pitcher of the Year went to Alec Wanoa at West Virginia. Makes sense. It makes sense. Hard was, to argue with that. No, I, I have no qualms with that. Nope. And then uh, Big 12 Freshman of the Year went to... Oh, I'm forgetting his name, but I know he plays for Kansas State. So you will see him tomorrow or today or whenever you listen to it in the Big 12 tournament. Um. Other Big 12 awards, all Big 12 first team, uh, Josh Young, Cam Warren, Gabe Holt, Caleb Killian, Taylor Floyd. All Big 12 second team, Brian Klein, who I think is the other player that you know was up there in terms of uh, leading statistics for Big 12 batting. Um, he was actually, uh, I'm not sure how it was arranged. I don't know if it was by average. But on that list, he was actually between Cam Warren and who was second behind Davis Wenzel and Josh Young, who I think was like sixth or seventh. Okay, okay. So he was like third or fourth. Um, also on the Big 12 second team, all Big 12 second team, D- Brian Klein, Dylan Noisy, Clayton Beater. Honorable mention, Braxton Fulford, Dane Havman, John McMillan, Big Bad John. That's right, that's right. And then the all-freshman team, uh, Beater. Micah Dallas, Cole Stillwell.
3: Lots of honors for a a very solid baseball team Mm -hmm. that really kind of put it together in Big Twelve play. They um, kind of had some ups and downs, but they 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 paralleled the basketball team quite a bit. Uh, The last half of the Big Twelve
2: season, they just they lost very few games. Well, they 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 won ten of their last eleven. So that, that one loss they had was that Thursday night game against TCU. The 14 inning. Before then, their last loss was the, the Friday night extra inning game against Baylor. Baylor. Yeah, that's right. So that they won the last two against Baylor, won all three against Oklahoma State, all three against Oklahoma, and then you went in and played um, your three against TCU. You lost the first game but won this, the last two. So over that 11-game streak, you were 10-11. Yeah. 10 of 11. 10 and 11, 10 of 11. Um, so yeah, you're, 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 you finished the season RPI. or you finished a regular season, RPI number nine. You're right outside that you're right around that range of, uh, being a national seed, a super regional host site. Um, and Keith Patrick from the Dinger Derby podcast thinks you have got a great shot to be a national seed. Um, and if you haven't listened to his most recent episode, he goes down through a, a couple of the other teams um, that maybe you have a, a uh, an argument to be considered ahead of them. Um, so one, as part of your argument to be big, sorry, to be a national seed, host of a super regional, uh, Texas Tech is the unshared conference champions of the number two RPI conference. Um. Your RPI is number nine. Your strength of schedule is number 12. Non-conference RPI is 16. Non-conference strength of schedule is 17. Those last two n- numbers are, are going to be significant here in a second when you look at a couple other teams that are listed ahead of you and Louisville and Arkansas. So Louisville, RPI number seven, so two spots ahead of you. Strength of schedule, 27. So kind of in that same area, but still you're 15 spots ahead of them. Non-conference RPI twenty-one to your, non, your to your sixteen, so close there, but their non-conference non-conference strength of schedule one nineteen, that's way on down the line. That's a hundred spots worse than yours. Um, Arkansas RPI number six, strength of schedule number eleven. So their RPI is better than yours. Their strength of schedule is a little bit better. Non-conference RPI is forty-three. So significantly lower than yours, non-conference strength of schedule, 158 to your 17. But they're listed ahead of you as a potential national seed, super regional host site. That's a lot to consider. So if you're looking at those four numbers, your RPI, strength of schedule, non-conference RPI, and non-conference strength of schedule, I think you have an argument that you should be considered ahead of both of those schools. Mm. without even looking at what you're going to do this week in the Big 12 tournament, um, which we'll talk about here in a second. So I think, li- listening to Keith t- talk about this, I'm, I'm more convinced that you're in a more solid situation than I probably thought you were. Um, interestingly enough, the team between you know Arkansas, Louisville, and you at Texas Tech at 6, 7, and 9, the number 8 seed, or sorry, the number 8 RBI team is Oklahoma State. They were the past, you know, couple weekends after you swept them, they've been one of the hottest teams in baseball. They went up to Oregon State, swept them. They won this series, that strange Bedlam series against Oklahoma. When they played three games in th- three different cities and they won the two games they had played against Baylor. So their RPI just skyrocketed the past couple of weeks and they're up number eight. Yeah. Um, and that, now, that helps us because. Cause we, we swept them. them. They have. They probably still have a lot of work to do to be considered for a super hosting site. I don't. I don't even know if they can, um, in terms of like, if there's enough ground. Sorry. If they've been able to make up enough ground to, to be there, they probably need to do really well, Um, or you know, win the Big Twelve tournament this weekend, which starts tomorrow, Wednesday. You are the number one seed, Texas Tech number one seed, your first game versus the number eight seed, Kansas State. You probably have the best matchup there. Um, the other two teams in your pod, is it's a double elimination tournament. You're basically in two four-team pods until the championship game. Um, you were paired, not paired, you're also matched up, aligned with the four seed in West Virginia, five seed Kansas. The other seed, sorry, the other pod is two-seed Baylor, three-seed Oklahoma State, six-seed TCU, seven-seed Oklahoma. Like I said, you'll only face one of those teams if you get to the championship game. Um, because it's double elimination, you could technically win the conference tournament in four games if you don't lose. Right, that's true. Um, which, you know, if you're going to win it, that's... Preferable. you got to go on a little little hot streak here. You could technically win it um, but you, if you lose a game, but you have to play six games to do it. So you go from six, four games to six games. you have to go five and one with you're either playing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday or because of like where you end up losing you play a double header on Saturday because if you go four no, oh, you'll play Wednesday, Thursday, one game Saturday, one game Sunday. You'll be off on Friday. But That's you, right. But if you lose it, Wednesday or Thursday, you will you'll automatically, automatically be playing on Friday. Right. And if you're undefeated going into Saturday, but lose the Saturday game, you have to play a double header to make it to Sunday. Okay. I hope that was as clear as mud. It is clear. So, it's easy. Just, just win your four games and just Claim a uh, regular season and tournament titles. Um, we've seen that Tim Tadlock has hasn't historically put a whole lot of stock into winning this tournament before. Not, not that he doesn't, you know, that that he waves a white flag and just you know gives up. But it's not been something that you've been able to see him put a lot of resources into. You know, he's not throwing out starting pitchers that are. On less rest than they normally would be, right? They're not throwing extended innings or you know high pitch counts. Um, but if you win Wednesday, which you have a good shot at uh, Kansas State, you're likely going to be playing. You sorry, you will be playing the winner between West Virginia and Kansas. Probably West Virginia. I talked to, to Keith about this as well. I was like, well, is West Virginia a team that really cares about winning the tournament? You know, Are they going to throw Alec Manoa on Wednesday versus Kansas? Or are they going to try to go 2-0 and try to like hope to get that first win against Kansas without using their ace and save him for the Thursday game, whether it's against you or Kansas State, get to 2-0 and kind of coast in to Saturday having a day of rest? And he said, you know, they're probably in a situation where they don't have to win it as well. Um, not that they're not good enough to do it. Without you know rearranging their their pitching staff, but um, he said it's probably wouldn't rearrange to the, to throw off their timing for their regional next weekend. So
3: true. They're kind of they're not quite quite in the same position as Tech because Tech also has a super regional kind of in the balance. I think West Virginia is out of super regional discussion, but yes. They will. Uh, I mean, their basketball team just won the Big Twelve basketball championship, right? Big Twelve
2: tournament. I believe they did. Yeah, they they knocked off Kansas. Yeah, th- did they? D- wait, did they end up winning or did? Is either them or Iowa State. Oh gosh, oh, I can't remember. It doesn't really matter. No, it doesn't. <laughs> it really doesn't. I shouldn't have even brought it up. Okay, so your your game on Wednesday it'll be at twelve thirty. Um, likely going to be facing the Kansas State ace of their pitching staff, Griffin Hassall. Um, on the season, he's got a 425 ERA, a whip, which is walks plus hits per innings pitched. Basically, how many guys get on base per inning against him. Uh, 1.27, so a, a pretty good pitcher. Two and three on the year on 13 appearances. So, despite him being a pretty good pitcher, doesn't have a lot of support around him. Um, and then he doesn't have the greatest strikeout to walk ratio. He's got 35 strikeouts in the year to 24 walks. So almost one and a half to one strikeouts to walks. If you win this game and you play West Virginia, who would also in this scenario also won their first game, you would, um, you'd play them Thursday afternoon at four. Um, and you'd, either face Alec Manoa or their number two picture Jackson Wolf. My understanding after especially after the conversation I had with Keith is that you'd probably face Jackson Wolf, who has a four seventy five ERA, a whip of one fifty one, also right on the same record, two and four with fourteen appearances. His strikeouts walk ratio was a little bit better. He had forty six strikeouts to twenty six walks. Um if you look back to when you played Kansas State, you did you did face Hassol as starting pitcher. He went six innings, gave up four hits, three runs. Only one of those was earned. Two walks, two strikeouts. Um, Texas Tech did win that game, and the loss didn't go to Hassel. Um, But if you look at Jackson Wolf, you played him two weeks later. West Virginia won that game. Jackson went four and a third innings, gave up eight hits, three runs. All three were earned. One walk and three strikeouts. So, you've got an opportunity with either one of those pitchers, um, and then w- once you get past the first two pitchers in a staff, really, it's about the the depth and the strength of, of the bullpen. Um, and I think on your side of the bracket of. West Virginia, Kansas, and Kansas State. West Virginia is the only other team that I, I would think you ha- may have some issues with. Oh, I would say so. But if it gets down to you versus Kansas or Kansas State, I think it's not, it's not going to be close. Your your depth on the pitching staff should be able to outlast them.
3: So would you predict right now that Tech would make it to the championship game out of this bracket?
2: Historically, I'm going to say no.
3: Okay. It's because they may hold some hold some cards. They may they may not.
2: It's because like you know, okay, say they win the game one against Kansas State, and they go up against West Virginia. Um, you've just you've struggled against them. You you lost two of three this year. You lost to this Jackson Wolf or Alec Manoa, whichever one you may face. Manoa, like we said earlier, was pitcher of the year for the conference. Um and then once you get on the loser side of the bracket, I think that's when Texas Tech is going to be like, "Okay, we've lost one game, we're 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 done. We're just going to go ahead and, and finish out the tournament whoever we face and we'll just quietly go back home." Um however, I do think if you get past Thursday at 2 and 0, I think there may be a switch that turns on and like, "You know what? Let's go ahead and just win let's the Let's try to think.
3: win, let's try to win the thing." Yeah.
2: Because then then you'll go back um the problem with winning the conference is you're going to play between four and six games over a five day span. So you likely can't reuse a starting pitcher. Um, Your rotation would probably include like a Micah Dallas and then a Caleb Killian and then a Bryce Bonin. And then you're like, who do I go to for game four? Like, like do we try to hold off Bryce Bonin for the championship game and get your fourth pitcher on the third game. Um, But, but if you do that, then like, it just, it's a weird number. Like it's just enough games where like most teams don't have the starting pitching depth to do it and do it very well without getting super overextended. And then you're worried about like, well, are we doing too much now to jeopardize performing well in the regional next weekend? Right. Which is more Mm -hmm. important in the scheme of things. Yep. So like I said, historically, I don't, I don't think Texas Tech, well, historically, no, they haven't done it. I don't think that changes. It would be interesting to see how they handle it if they get past Thursday at
3: 2-0. Well, I'm just
2: excited for a lot of daytime baseball. It's going to be on almost 12 hours, Wednesday and Thursday. There are only two games on Friday, and then you get a bunch of games. You get possibly four games on, on Saturday.
3: So. Yes, yeah. I mean, if if necessary, you'll get four games on Saturday. It, it's pretty good. I mean, they start at, gosh, 9 a.m. 9 a.m. Is, is a pretty darn early time to play a baseball game.
2: And then it goes all day. Yep. That last game is scheduled to start at 7.30. But who knows? We, we've seen these things, like, even without wet weather delays, just long games. We've seen that last game start, like, 9, 9.30. We've also seen, like, it get weather delayed, and, like, they'll pick up that game first thing the next morning. So like all four of those games get pushed back a little bit. It's interesting to try to play four games and one stadium back to back to back to back without them going over.
3: And this is, this is in Oklahoma, right? Oklahoma city. So that and, uh, weather is a big factor, mm-hmm. especially lately. I mean, that poor state's been hit pretty hard. I I, I don't know. it. I hope everything works out well, of course. Uh, that's obviously what everyone hopes, and, and more than just for baseball reasons. Um, but I I don't know. Just stick around. Stick around the radio and the, the Twitter and the TV on I mean, Wednesday. I was
2: about to say, all the games will be broadcast on the Fox Sports Networks.
3: Yeah, they're all on Fox College Sports, except for the championship. So Fox College Sports is is kind of deeper on the dial. But it ESPN could be an 8. Right. VHL. But it could be one of those things where you could still stream it with the app. I know that sometimes that will mm-hmm. that will kind of trump whatever your cable subscription is. If you have the app and you have some sort of cable subscription, you maybe you might have access to Fox College Sports even if you don't have access to that channel through your cable subscription. So you may try that just to make sure, but it looks like all of them will be broadcast there. Except for the championship game, which will be on 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 the big boy, is that Fox it, Sports it, Southwest. Well, it just says <laughs> it just says FSN, so it could be any any of, Fox any of the channel. Fox Sports networks. So we're not sure. I doubt it's going to be on FS1
2: or something. No, doubtful. Yeah. All right, uh, let's get to questions. Oh yeah, we've got some. We've got you got, some got questions? Them, you got them pulled up? I do. Matt Turney, first up. Why is the big Why is the idiot Big Twelve obsessed with co this and co that? I don't know.
3: The, the, I'm still upset about Coach Beard getting co-coach oh, coach. of the year with Bill Self in 2017-18. Yeah. I'm still upset about that. I don't know, Matt. It's So I,
2: I'm not sure who yeah. who is manning this, the STP Twitter account tonight. <laughs> it may have been Seth, but also could have been Brian. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Um fired back one true champion. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Which I think was the funniest thing. They, they talked about like, that whole... The marketing campaign from a couple of years ago when they were the on the football side were being talked about, possibly being left out of the playoff conversation because they have a conference championship game and they're giving out co-titles. And they came up with this ad campaign, One True Champion. Right. That year they named two <laughs> conference champions.
3: Right, and that is the... The Big 12 thing to do. Yeah, that is the whole... The, the, I think the whole theory behind that One True Champion is, well, we play everybody. Yeah, you do, but there's still ways that you can end up with the same record and uh, you know, you have to go to the fifth tiebreaker or whatever. And and yeah, it's just kind of is dumb. Yeah. And then, and then the, the championship game is almost capitalizing on dumb. So I'm, I'm still conflicted on the championship game. I don't think it makes a ton of sense. I think it makes a ton of money and that's about it. I think that situation that the big 12 had when the playoff first kicked off. And I think that was when Baylor and TCU were really good. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, in that instance, it might've made sense to have them play each other again, but they did play each other. And one of them won. I don't remember who, but one of them won. And so I, I, I don't understand the need for the big 12 conference championship because exactly what happened Or what was supposed to happen the last year when I think they first did it. Oklahoma steamrolled whoever it was they played. I don't remember that. So that didn't change anything. Um, And then, you know, so if, if the favorite doesn't win, the next team gets into the playoff, I don't think that's how that works. I think it just demotes the Big 12. I think it makes it worse. I think if you end the season and Oklahoma's by far the best team, but somehow they crap the bed in the big 12 championship game and they lose to like eight win West Virginia or something. Then what big 12 is completely left out of the playoff picture. Mm-hmm. I'd imagine then. Yeah. So I think you kind of screw yourself if you, <laughs> but Hey, you know, good job making a lot of money for somebody, not the players. Heaven forbid.
2: Oh Gosh, we're not going. There Sorry. Right go now. ahead. <laughs> Next question. All right. Eric at Eric on wheels. Um, if Tech is a number seven national seed, what team do you not want to see at number 10? The potential super regional opponent. So I pulled up the D1 baseball regional and super regional projections, their field of 64. Yes. As a, so one, their, their regional projection, uh, Texas Tech has a one seed hosting Arizona State, Texas State, New Mexico State. Okay. So t- Arizona State would be two. Texas state would be three new Mexico state would be four you, you've shown you've been able to, to hold off New Mexico state before. Um, I think it was Keith that said, you know, you need to watch out for, you know, a Texas state. If they were to be matched up with you, they're a pretty salty team in their own right. Um, assuming you make it through the, the, the regional, uh, you win. I'm looking around at the other matchups. Um, currently d1 baseball has you as a seven seed so you'd be a national seed so I'm looking at the eight seed in case you know they get moved up or, or sorry moved down uh, Georgia Tech um, and then in, in their bracket um, is Cal Michigan and Sanford um, so the way that you would face them is like if you both got bumped down a spot and you were 8 they were 9 okay but if you say at 7 then you'd be matched up with the 10 who right now D1 baseball has has as Oklahoma state the winner of that regional um would be paired up with you as a 7 um and that Stillwater regional you've got Oklahoma state uh 2 seed Nebraska 3 seed Missouri 4 seed Wright State and then if you drop down to an eight seed and nothing else changes, you'd be paired up with a nine seed as your super regional pair. Right. Um, that nine seed regional is the Greenville, Nor- uh, North Carolina. So, sorry, in Greenville, North Carolina is East Carolina, who you played in the super regional a few years ago. Um, in that regional, you know, East Carolina – Tennessee, Duke, Campbell. There is an outside shot for you to host Duke as a Super Regional again. Is that who you don't want to see? Sorry. Up until now, I've been throwing out the possibilities. You could host any of those like 12 teams. I basically just listed off. Right, right. Um, If you stay as a seven seed, you're going to be facing the winner of the Oklahoma State Regional, of Oklahoma State, nebraska missouri right state okay i don't know enough about the other teams i know that oklahoma state is super hot right now i don't want to face them i think that's a pretty good suggestion that's,
3: that's where i was going to go to you
2: you've beat them three times and just leave it at that
3: yeah it's just not let's not let's not go back there let's not try for what do you have to do you have to win two games yeah you, so you let's let's not try for five and zero. Oh. Or well, I guess you could do five and
2: one, but uh, you, still, you can go five and one on the season, <laughs> right? Um, the rest of them, like I said, I don't know enough about Georgia Tech, East Carolina, um, Oregon State is listed as, as an eleven seed. The only reason, only way you get matched up with eleven seed is if you got pushed up to a six seed, mm-hmm. which Louisville is listed as a six seed in this this projection. Um, Arkansas listed as a five seed. I mean, I don't I don't know how far up you can move in this, but if all things stay consistent and you're matched up with Oklahoma State, I don't want to see them. I'd rather see Nebraska, Missouri come out of that. Um, I think so too. Oklahoma State's playing some good baseball. I know. All right, Peter Puente at Iced Wizard. Is it wrong of me? As a lifelong tech fan and season ticket holder to be kind of disappointed when I see a signing of an athlete and it's not basketball.
3: I wasn't quite sure what you know, Peter trying, was getting at either.
2: I don't understand this question. Um, so I wonder if he mean?
3: meant if it's not football. I don't know. So
2: like the, there's an announcement of a of a player signing and it's not a football player and he's disappointed
3: that's that's possible or or it's just kind of like what we were talking about earlier he he may have meant exactly what he said and is just so hyped about basketball right now that that's all he really cares about (laughs) that's all he wants to read about something pops up oh man we
2: got a new oh oh we got a new punter Okay, that's true because there has been a lot of the I guess the hype around the the recruiting, the basketball recruit like we were talking about with Terry yeah. Smith, Chris Clark, possibly you're you know, in the mix for five-star RJ Hampton.
3: Right, I mean, there could be, we're so kind of getting spoiled to that, you know, maybe that's, he, he may just be assuming that, oh, it's a basketball recruit, this is going to be like a, at least a three or four-star guy, and then you realize it's a football recruit and you kind of go, oh, ugh. yeah, well, okay. I could see that. I don't think it's um I don't think it's wrong if that's what you're getting at Peter. I'm so and I'm sorry if we misinterpreted, but man, we're it, it's May. It's May and and like I'm fidgeting because I'm excited about basketball season. So I I think that's I think that's perfectly healthy. That's good. I, I mean, baseball's great. I I enjoy baseball, but I'm not uh, I've always been more of a of a fan of the sport of basketball just in general just to watch. So it's really exciting that we're in, we live in an era where tech is really good at it and they have a coach who is nationally recognized and being compensated for it and able to bring in this type of talent. So nah. I don't think it's wrong for you to be kind of disappointed.
2: Yeah. Sorry, I, I, was, I was going through some of the, the conversation around the Big 12 season awards. Yeah. Our man, Rod Bro has been on the pulse here. Yeah, he has. So let's go back. It was a tweet from eight hours ago. If the people voted for Big 12 Player of the Year, Josh Young and Cam Warren would have been co-players. This is from a poll he posted on May 7th, where he had, if the Big 12 season ended today, the Big 12 Player of the Year would be, his options were Davis Wenzel, Josh Young, Cam Warren, Shea Langoliers. Oh wow. So he had Wenzel up there. He had two Bayer, Baylor players, two tech players. Granted, his audience is mostly tech players.
3: Slightly, slightly skewed to the
2: to the West <laughs> Texas. <laughs> Josh Young garnered sixty five percent of the vote. Cam Warren got the other thirty five percent. Nobody voted for Davis Wenzel or Shea Langoliers. There you have it. That's all you need to see. Um, I, I'm not sure who did this, but uh, Rob Rowe also said, hey, Josh Young, you are Wikipedia's one true player of the year. Um, currently in the Big 12 Players of the Year table, there's just one player listed right now, and it's Josh Young. Where it's like for 20, 2017, it's got uh, Hunter Hargrove and Evan Skoug that, that split it that year it hasn't been listed that way yet. Right. Right. Um, Labar said, um, going back to splitting the big 12 player of the year. Uh, I don't think they should have split had a higher slash line. So his average on base percentage and slugging, but played about 60% of the games young did. I don't know the vote total, but I bet the reason they tied is because some votes went to cam. Just a thought. Mm. Um, then also that there were some these are bullet points from a video that David Collier tweeted out. But Caleb Killian, seven and zero in Big Twelve play versus Alec is five and three question mark. Davis Winsell misses seven of Baylor's twenty two Big Twelve games, but gets co player of the year over Cameron Warren, question mark. Tadlock wins Big Twelve title, but no coach of the year, question mark.
3: Yeah. Those some, are good points, some Ryan. Legit
2: beefs there. Uh it was also a video. Uh, sorry, I said Ryan. David Collier, but he had on Ryan Hyatt in this video to discuss this. Oh, okay. Which I haven't watched in full. Um, and there was something else I thought there was. Oh, Rob Bro tweeted 10 hours ago, Gabe Holt has a better conference resume than Davis Wenzel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I don't disagree with any of those things. I think it was maybe a crying shame that one, Josh Young had to split it, but two, maybe the more deserving player out of all, both of those players wasn't listed in Cam Warren. Michael, got anything else to add on baseball post-season awards? I don't think so.
3: I think uh, we're just excited for baseball post-season.
2: Starts tomorrow, Wednesday, 23rd, yep. which maybe today, depending on when you start downloading. Yep.
3: Um, 22nd. Wednesday's the 22nd, I think.
2: Yes, sorry. You're right. 20 oh,
3: seconds. Yeah, I, like, I just like to point it out when
2: I'm right. That's okay. That's all. I'm, That's the I'm, only reason I did that. I'm okay being wrong on something as trivial as that. <laughs> going yard. Michael, you have an update from your, your landscape company that comes by Moe's every couple of weeks?
3: Uh, they showed up yesterday before the rain. Lucky um, for them. I'm not sure how they did that. I think they were really
2: going it. super fast yesterday. <laughs> Probably running around like crazy. Yeah. Another one of those tornado warnings that we so i i heard it was actually pretty bad on this part of town i think it, it was it rolled through like between 3 30 and 4 o'clock through most of lubbock i was in the medical district at work we didn't get a drop of rain yeah we we did hear it, it got pretty bad my t-ball coach uh she lives pretty close to this area had her fence blown over and i guess a neighbor had a A trampoline, get loose. So that was pretty bad. Um, We lost power at our house briefly because we got home and all of our clocks had to be reset. Mm. But we weren't home for that. Um, The Durango had some interesting patterns in the dust where it looked like it got hit by hail, which I don't doubt. But we didn't get any rain at the office. Samantha's office, her floor actually got shut down and and they tried to send her home at four o'clock. But by that time where we were, like I said, we didn't get any of the rain and we missed it driving home. So like it was just another one of those days where everybody gets all hyped up on the weatherman, freaking out. Ron Roberts basically had like a a two hour show, um, which we turned it on just for the comedic entertainment value of it. Dude was literally taking cell phone calls while on the air.
3: Oh, he does that a lot. He does that a lot during during weather. He was having weather com- events,
2: having conversation with people that were off screen. Oh, sure. He couldn't. He didn't know what was going on on the screen behind him. Often, not mic'd either. This girl was mic but it didn't sound like it was on. Oh, okay, <laughs> it was like turned way down or something. So he's having this conversation. Like I, I'm hearing her, I'm hearing her voice. I'm not really hearing what she's saying. And then he pulls her on. He pulls her like on. On stage, um, on camera with him, Mike gets turned on, and then he like starts gushing. He's like, "This is why we hire smart people like this girl." Oh, that's good. Who is like giving out like all the official stuff? Like, this is what's happening. While Ron Robert Roberts is like, "What's Dowd?" <laughs> like, he, he got th- so thrown off by like the, the storm tracker was saying it's going to be a Dowd. Sorry, in Dowd, two words. Oh, okay. So <laughs> D- apparently, that's U-D. a
3: town or a community.
2: Looking at the map, it's like this small area of like West Lubbock. Wow. I don't know. Anyways, he he got thrown off by that and he was in a, it's in a tizzy for a second. Anyways, we were watching that just having fun. Um,
3: Yeah, the, the, we didn't really, I mean, obviously I wasn't home, but I do think it got hit pretty good out here during that time. And at the office, it's always kind of scary when the lights start flickering because everyone in the office is working on a computer on some project connected to a network powered by those same flickering (laughs) lights control S, baby yeah and we're just like save 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 close 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 so i I remember doing that one just kind of let it pass i I don't remember anything crazy happening at work we got some pea-sized hail and it it rained really hard uh for four or five minutes i mean just you couldn't see you know, you look out the window and you couldn't see past the car parked in front of the window really. But luckily nothing damaging through there. And then that was it.
2: Yep. We didn't sustain any damage to the house. Uh, no, no wind damage, no hail damage. So the yard though, going yard here for the segment, I don't know what's going on with it. There's some sections in it that are, are struggling. It's like, You've been getting a lot of rain. I've been watering you. I've been treating you for disease. Got some fertilizer, and I don't know if it's just been like the the part of the lawn that got cut off that was like the seed head, the fescue seed heads, because those stalks are different, almost like a completely different material, like a different makeup than the normal grass blade, because they don't cut; they get torn. Oh, okay. So when you either have a dull blade or you have like seed stalks that get torn it's a jagged edge with which will then brown instead of if it gets cut it's, it's clean it's not it, it, it doesn't go brown i've got these spots where there were a lot of seed heads that are still brown in my yard I was like you're supposed to have grown out of this I'm supposed to be able to cut you <laughs> and it's not <laughs> it's not happening for you it's not how happen- so I'm, I'm i'm still trying to figure out what's going on um decided i probably need to restain my fence i don't really want to get into that our our plants that we put in the front little flower bed are struggling so I'm I'm I don't know what's going on. My 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 yard, my my homestead surrounding the house not doing too well.
3: You'll get back on track. I don't know what's going on. It'll be fine. Hey I did some research on Dowd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you find it? I didn't really find much. It's it's Dowd, Texas is in Lubbock. And it's just, you know, kind of like what you're saying, it's pretty much at the intersection of the Brownfield Highway and the West Loop. And D-O-U-D is how, is how it's spelled, because I tried D-O-W-D at first. But Dowd, Texas, I still don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the remnants of some community that existed at some point. But sure enough, if you type Dowd, Texas in, it takes you somewhere, and then there's there's a couple of websites talking about it um about it being a small community so just know that if you're ever if you ever if you're ever on that flyover um heading north on the west loop and you need to get on that flyover to head east on Marsha sharp then you have just passed through dowd yeah man i don't get it i don't either i'd never heard that i would have been very confused if i was ron roberts too Dowd, what the heck? Like, where <laughs> <What>? is that? <laughs> At first, I thought it could have been, you know, because I don't claim to know my South Plains geography super well. So, I mean, there's there's all sorts of little communities I've probably never heard of. Uh, you know, little communities like Patricia or um, O'Donnell's probably a little bigger than that, but, you know, places like that that just a few folks know of and mainly cuz they've passed through it but i thought well dad could be one of those that you know used to have a couple used to have a store back in the 40s or something and uh there's a couple of houses there you know that type of stuff but i didn't think it would be in in the city of Lubbock. i still don't know what it is
2: <laughs> yeah it's, it's so strange it's like um it's like one of those 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 areas or those um Neighborhoods uh, like the name of those little areas will pop up on the map, like West End, Elm Park, Northridge, Bowie, Wester, like Bacon Crest, Primrose Point, like some of the, the neighborhoods around town. Well, Dowd is one of them, yeah. Majin area, Melanie Park, Dowd,
3: Dowd. It's just part of, part of the lexicon. We're so, learning stuff on the show every day,
2: Dowd, Texas specifically so like the 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 google maps image is showing like the the like a street view of those those flat apartments those flats at like slide and like it's between slide and the marsha sharp like right off the the frontage road and i, I only know these because i had some friends that lived there in college
3: mm, yeah
2: back when marsha sharp was not really marsha sharp it was a
3: it's Brownfield Highway. Brownfield, yeah. Lots of stoplights.
2: And it was under construction. It was just a nightmare to get out there. That's terrible. All right. Um, Michael, what did we learn besides about Dowd?
3: Well, I learned that two docks brewing is, is good. It's still good. Uh, we went out there for our second time on Saturday, and I tried the Dos Doctores, which is their version of a Mexican lager, very tasty. Along with their Chilton Gosa, which is, I'm, I never know how to say it. No, Gosa. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. Anyway, it's basically a sour. It's it's um, inspired by the famous Lubbock Chilton drink. Gosa is a warm fermented beer that
2: originated in Gosler, Germany.
3: Okay. I just never knew. I, I always, you know, it's just spelled G-O-S-E. And so... I always space on how to because I had to ask the guys like, I want the Chilton. How do you say that again? And he knew what I meant. Oh, Gosa. I'm like, oh, OK, good. Because I always want to say Goze, like it's <laughs> like a rosé. Yeah, like a rosé. <laughs> I see that and I'm like, well, I know it's not whatever I think it is, is not what it is. It's
2: a goose. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, <laughs> give me one of them Goses. Um Usually brew with at least 50 percent of the grain being malted wheat. Dominant flavors and ghosts include a lemon sourness. There you go. That their strong saltiness.
3: Yes, they're kind of a sour beer um, with some saltiness to them. I really like these type of beers, especially during the summer, and they've gotten really popular over the last, I guess, three years, maybe four. Um, so I've I really enjoyed their Chilton version of that, and of course, it's served with a fresh slice of lemon. So was it actually served warm Or was it cold It was um, It wasn't warm No it, it wasn't as cold as I thought it was going to be But it was probably like in the 50's it's, this, this, It was um, chilled But not like super cold Not like Caprock Cafe ice coming off of it Cold or anything
2: This um, Preview of a Thrillist Post about Craft beer's dead Gosa ruined craft beer Oh no Warm it tastes like spicy sweat. <laughs> cold, it tastes like cold sweat. In time we had to, in time we had the craft beer revolution on our hands. Sorry, I I think I misread that at the beginning, but like, yeah. Spicy sweat. No, uh,
3: yeah, I'm sure that's what, because we bring up ghosts and, and sours and stuff in the slack chat and that's Dan's immediate reaction is always some sort of vomiting gif. I know it's not uh it's it's not a universally loved beer type, but I'm I'm actually kind of surprised at how much I like it. Cause it's really light and it's, it's pretty complex flavor and it, I, I'm telling you, it's just perfect for like a hot day for a, uh, or a sunny day. It's, it's just, it hits the spot. I'm, and I'm genu- generally not into stuff that is kind of sour and tastes like that. But what's, what really is cool is, Thanks to Two Docs and thanks to the LBK Brewery, we now have two competing Chilton beers, Chilton-inspired beers in Lubbock. So I've had them both. They're both excellent. If you go to the LBK Brewery, you need to get the Chilton Whitbeer. Um, I'm mm-hmm. unsure how their rotations work. I'm assuming that's going to be one that they usually keep on tap at all times, but uh, it's just that. It's a Chilton Whit beer inspired or Um, with some citrusy flavor and served with a slice of lime it's or lemon. Good gosh.
2: We've been talking too long. I'm losing it. Sorry, I'm I'm actually like reading part of this Thrillist article and I have to read it to you real quick. Okay. Um, It's talking about the craft beer revolution. So in the beginning, uh, which I mean in the 80s, there were like five kinds of beer. They were yellow, fizzy, cheap, and widely available. Lagers mostly. And people didn't care that they tasted like metal and corn or that they were prone to making claims like being the champagne of beers, which is like being the zebra of motorcycles. Miller High Life. And then after a few re- revolutionary rumblings in the 80s, Sam Adams, home brewing, et cetera, we were suddenly in the midst of a full-on beer renaissance in the nineties. Um it could be talking about beer, beer could be culture, art, worthy of obsession, and as the brewers pushed the boundaries of the American beer palette, ingenuously creating new styles and reinventing lost or neglected ones. Customers, in turn, became even more emboldened, literate, and demanding. Um, In time, we had the craft beer revolution on our hands, and it was a glorious revolution, and now it's over. It ended last Thursday when I walked into a popular Brooklyn brew pub and blindly ordered something off the menu. It came highly recommended by the bartender, though he couldn't seem to actually explain what it was. A minute or so later, it arrived, and I took it up with relish, having looked forward to this drink all day and drank it. I made a face and tried again. It tasted like it had been squeegeed off the back of a German day laborer toiling in a coriander processing plant. (laughs) As I frantically attempted to wipe it off my tongue like a cartoon child, the bartender pointed to a beer menu he had found, which identified the beer thusly, Gosa. (laughs) Uh, Gosa, you've heard of Gosa, it's German, it's our beer pronounced G-O hyphen Z-U-H Like the thing that wrecked New York in Ghostbusters. (laughs) Oh, he wrote this.
3: Well, he wrote this on February of 2015.
2: I'm I'm sure beers haven't gotten any better since then.
3: No, no.
2: (laughs) All right, everybody. Um, We just we got to go back to Big Bad John.
3: Okay, we really do. Got to wrap it up. We got to we got to end where we started.
2: Right where we started. Mm All right, as we get ready for the Big 12 baseball tournament, I want to thank you for joining us on the 23 Personnel Podcast. For Michael, I'm Spencer. We'll see you next week.
1: Big Bad John.